Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels, the podcast where people with firsthand knowledge of mental illness come to talk about mental health and the therapeutic fun of pop culture. The topic today is video games. My guests are Lee, who has been on many times, and Manny, who is here for the first time. Lee is a tattoo artist. Check out Lee Dandy at Electric Panther and Little Rock. Manny is a writer and a gamer. Find them on Twitch at multi underscore player. That's M-U-L-T-I-E underscore P-L-A-Y-E-R. Manny is part of the Sandcheck system. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know they are a DID system. DID stands for Dissociative Identity Disorder, formerly known as Multiple Personality Disorder. We'll talk a lot about how gaming helped in forming Manny's personality. And uh, I should explain really quickly. Um, so Manny is part of a system, the Sandcheck system. Um, they have dissociative identity disorder, uh, which is uh, used to be called multiple personality disorder, <laughs> but it's uh, where multiple people inhabit the same body. That's the that's the most basic definition I can give you. Um, we won't get into it too much since we've already talked about that. Um, but I would like to talk about you know what different people in your system, what experiences they have with gaming, mm -hmm. um, and how is it therapeutic f different in different ways for different people? Right. Uh, well, so I figured I was probably the most qualified out of any of us who could talk about this to talk about it just because I'm, I'm very directly related to it. Uh, but it's also kind of difficult when I think about it because, um, I mean... It could be just as, I think, maladaptive as it is helpful. It's very easy to get sucked into it and dissociate more and just spend all your time doing that sort of thing. So I guess it depends on like how much escapism you have and how aware of that you are and whether or not you need to put limits on yourself. Because then again, almost anything that's helpful could also be maladaptive in some way or not healthy for you. I mean, yeah. that's the reason that working out can be an addiction. So um, I feel like it's kind of similar <laughs> to that. So I think there's a fine line to be drawn because we didn't always use it in a healthy way. Um, mm. Yeah, there's definitely some some unhealthy uh, uses, mm -hmm. um, particularly in those addictive games like uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah, I was say and, MMOs that have literally ooh, I played that for years. Yeah, that, that have actually, actually quite literally put uh, addiction, you know, terms in books. So um, yeah. It's very similar to gambling, I think, because mm -hmm. they give you just enough payoff to keep you playing and keep you paying mm -hmm. money every month. And yeah. yeah, and it's also the kind of thing where, again, since we've been talking about immersion with, you know, mm -hmm. role playing and LARP and stuff like that, uh, it's very easy to get sucked into it and lose track of time. And yep. sometimes that's that's what you feel like you want, whether that's what I you need or not. I played World of Warcraft for a long time. I played from the OG original to mm -hmm. Ice Crown, and then I stopped for a while. Uh, because after killing the Lich King, I just kind of figured my work was done. But then they came out with, like, however many more games, mm -hmm. like seven more games or something <laughs> yeah. in the same universe. It's like, wow, this is excessive. It's almost like you just want money, which, of course, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't blame them. Got to respect the hustle. But I played it because it made me feel strong and powerful because I would mm -hmm. play a tank and it'd be like, yeah, come at me. And I'm like, holding big weapons and being a warrior and you know and that's fun and that's what i think the allure of video games is for a lot of people mm -hmm. is that you get to feel powerful and accomplished and fulfilled for very little investment actually yeah. it's not hard to play these games and so looking at it from the outside perspective and looking back it's like you know what none of those games were really very difficult you know and then Especially you also have though, games that are supposed like market themselves as being extremely difficult, which I think is a whole other <laughs> ridiculous thing because I play games to relax. Yeah, well, now. Uh, I will say, I think that that's, that's a pretty good point though, because, uh, you know, I think that it's the kind of thing where, especially if you're traumatized, a lot of people who are traumatized because that actually has physical effects on you have disabilities that are comorbid mm -hmm. so they'll have autoimmune disorders or other types of disabilities you know physically can't get up and move in some ways maybe they can't even you know do stuff like larp a lot of people tend to like video games especially for the power rush just because they're accessible because you can mm -hmm. sit there yeah. and you can get accessible controllers and still do the same things as everybody else and i think if you've got 
things like um, ADHD, you know, video games give you tasks, which are very rewarding, especially in the short term. Um, so they're yeah, very they're, addictive. They're created in that, to be yeah, rewarding. And they want that you to way, keep playing. Mm-hmm, they, they give you all that dopamine you don't have. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those that, you know, gets your brain going if you're that kind of person. Uh, I know that um, as far as escapism goes, though, too, I will say that sometimes it is preferable whether it's healthy or not. Um, I think a lot of the games that we played over our life, especially when we were younger, actually saved our life because, you know, it was easier to uh, get lost in a video game than you're not thinking about wanting to mm. kill yourself and stuff like that. <laughs> so, or, you know, it feels it feels familiar and it feels welcoming and you get you get invested in it and focused on it. So it's it's the kind of thing that's comforting. Um, which I guess is the point where I should talk about myself a little bit, which yes. I guess I'm avoiding again. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we really like adventure games because, again, we're very narratively focused. So any of any of those sorts of things um, that aren't necessarily like we like all kinds of stuff. We we've played um, platformers and action games and the Soulsborne games like you were talking about, even those because uh, sometimes you want to be frustrated, I think. Um, and then. You know, we've played MMOs and FPSs and all of that stuff. And, and we always come back to those because uh, they very much ask you to be a character and ask you to get into that character's head to solve puzzles and things like that. And they're they're very focused on stories. And before this was a thing, they used to have multiple endings. And that was that was where that idea got started. Most games didn't have you know, four or five endings. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much what it is. Um, and uh, with DID, so... There's uh, this thing that I think a lot of people have heard about who are, you know, who have a pulse on this kind of situation or into psychology have heard about because there's this weird controversy over it that I don't care to talk about. I don't have I don't have the time and I'm too old for that, (laughs) but called introjects, which is the idea that with DID, sometimes when you have that personality forming that's separate, uh, it will form around an idea like I think Merritt was talking about with, uh, you know, we making a character and then your brain saying that's exactly what I need. So then the person forms around those ideas um, and interjects kind of the same thing or literally is that thing, but can come from other places. Um, and so you have like, you know, if, if you need somebody who's a persecutor because persecutors are, you know, the idea of an altar who tells you to do bad things or who tries to hurt you, which contrary to what might seem, you know, like popular belief or what seem might might be intuitive is very necessary in a lot of cases. They're there for a reason and they're usually like some people say misguided protectors or at least they're there because they're trying to be heard. They want something heard, you know. Um, So you can have them form around an abuser Mm. or uh, you can have them on the other side form around like a caregiver or the idea of one, somebody who was a friend or uh, a pet, maybe things like that. Um, Or in my case, or as is, I think, a little bit more common, Uh, You can have what some people colloquially call a fictive, where you form around a fictional character that was important in some way, uh, which is usually a combination of things with any of these. And in my case, I guess it was partly comfort, partly the fact that I was helping us reconnect with, you know, the fact that we have a Latino Chicano heritage and the fact that, uh, you know, I pulling from something that helped us a long time ago and I came around when we needed something that we weren't quite sure what it was and when we got back to this comforting thing we went there it is you know our brain does this sort of thing automatically but uh, I guess I had a lot of desirable qualities for the <laughs> the crisis we were going through at the time um so yeah I I am centered around a fictional character from a video game so that kind of thing can happen sometimes it is it is as a important to your brain as you know any of those other things that you might latch on to that your brain might decide that it needs internally mm-hmm. um does it help with dissociation absolutely i think because uh you know sometimes alters will struggle with who am i and what do i you know what is it about me that makes me different from everybody else so that you can switch or talk to each other or you don't dissociate all the time because a lot of alters especially ones that end up being fictional and latching onto that 
even after the fact, um, they're very, in, you know, insecure about who they are. They have a very nebulous idea of who they are. Um, or, you know, saying that these, these are definitely my, my tracks or my memories or any of those things. Uh, I think interjects help with that, you know, um, because I don't have questions like that. I had a basis to start off of, to ask myself, what's important to me? Why am I here? You know, what do I value? What am I here to do? Things like that. So do you mind telling me about the video game that's sure. Uh, Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango is an adventure game published by LucasArts in 1998. It is set in the land of the dead, where souls travel on their way to a final destination. The story follows Manny, a travel agent in the land of the dead, as he attempts to save another soul. Wow, uh, we played it back when it came out. Actually, I guess it was like two years after it came out, I think. Uh, I think it was 2000 that we played it. Um, and... <laughs> I think our dad still has the joystick we played it on back then because it was purely tank controls. You had to have one of the little, you know, <laughs> some type of actual peripheral to play it. Um, that was one of the very first 3D games that ever came out. So, of course, it's nice. 1998, all kinds of history happening right there. But but we played it back then, and it had a huge impact on us because we, we beat it, and we would just sit there at the computer in the middle of the night because we couldn't sleep from nightmares and play through uh, and then I came around after the fact because that stuck with us for such a long time. But um, we were having a major traumatic event and uh, Merritt started to play it for comfort reasons. And at that point, our brain was already leaning towards, you know, we're going to do this again. And it hadn't for seven years, I guess. We had been pretty stable and not had anything, anything new happen, no splits or anything. And then... We just were not equipped to handle what was happening to us. So our brain goes, okay, well, we need somebody. And she was trying to fight it and cope with it as best she could, but instead just walked us right into it because we picked it back up and remembered everything and and then uh, was looking at the character. And I immediately just, I think one of the first conscious thoughts I had was just, that's that's me. That's, that's who I am and it has to be. Um, and nobody liked that idea at first. <laughs> People don't typically, uh, don't necessarily always take well the new splits because it's easy to make you feel, make you feel like you're, you're not doing well enough or something's wrong when it's completely normal, completely natural. Um, but also the fact that, you know, the controversy about the idea of being effective or whatever is, you know, a lot of people drag that like it's, like it's, uh. I think she said cringy or something or that it's it's bad or it's fake or whatever but you know I've never had those doubts either I don't know a lot of people do and I've just never really been very uh I don't know it's never bothered me (laughs) I think it's because they didn't want to invite a silly little guy into their system yeah I do too and that's really unfortunate for them (laughs) I'm fun and valuable and uh you know all kinds of things (laughs) So, so I have a kind of a technical question. Um, do you feel like you were started forming back in 2000? Uh, is it, is it, does it work that way where Sometimes. there's kind of like these pieces here, but they're not fully formed yes. until much later? Yes. And it makes me feel like you've done your homework because that's kind of how fragments work where you've had the, uh, the basis of things kind of floating around that are not really differentiated pieces. And sometimes those things just sit there. Sometimes they, they form back into somebody else and sometimes they, they become their own thing. It's just smaller, you know, individual pieces. And, uh, I don't know. I, that is a question I've asked myself because it has sat with us for that long and it was that important to us. It's affected like creatively how we approach things and story and things that we liked for a long time. And it's always just been very dear to our hearts. So I'm sure that all the, you know, catalyst was there for it. But you always have the block, like the building blocks you work with at the beginning are the ones that you keep your whole life. So it, altars can have ancestors for one thing uh, yeah. or uh, some people interpret it as past lives, things like that, because it's uh, you had someone who came before you. Because just as much as we can form, we don't always stick around. Sometimes people will reintegrate or fuse or you know whatever, and we've had that happen. Um, people who are were no longer feeling welcome or or useful or like they belonged, and then they just kind of or perhaps got very close to someone else and kind of fused into one thing into a different person 
or just yeah the, they they kind of melted into the background and just kind of sat there so i'm sure in some some respects some part of me has been around the whole time um just kind of sitting there um whether or not that was attached to anybody else hard to say because for the first time i'm actually the one alter who uh i've got a connection with everybody here there's something that i have directly in common with everybody and uh that's not actually something i think anybody can actually say even merit with the rest of us um oh wow yeah it's 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 interesting <laughs> it's new and uh it's very new to feel um feel like I, I actually have all the potential of the healing we've been doing. So I have been hosting for about, a, I guess, a year now, uh, a little more than. Um, and hosting means? Uh, running the show, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the chief, I'm the CFO, the chief fictive officer now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm the management, so if you have any complaints. <laughs> but uh, not that uh, anybody else on the A-team, as she described, has gone anywhere. You know, she's still here. Everybody else is here. But if you want to know who's really calling the shots anymore, it's been me since I came around. But Is that pretty typical when a new alter sort of uh, develops becomes the front man for a while not for us uh that's not necessarily true for everybody but not here um we have not we we haven't had a host change most of our life i guess um we've had some people who have taken over here and there like um tabby and penny have both doc as it were tabby and doc have both um at one point or another pulled a significant amount of the weight but it's almost always been merit or vex and um it's mostly just been merit for the longest time and now it's it's mostly just me and dog helps me out a lot we if i had to say i was <laughs> closely related to anybody it's it's doc we're very much um two sides of the same coin quite literally in a lot of ways so yeah um does doc use video games to to relax too Funny enough, Doc hates video games. Nice. But the only video game I think Doc has ever gotten interested in is Animal Crossing. I think that's it. That's the only one. Go figure why. Uh, we, we tried to get her at one point on stream to play uh, either Trauma Center or like Surgeon Simulator, and she absolutely refuses. It's very funny. Um, it's beneath her. Yeah, she just doesn't like them. No, she'd rather play board games or do uh, you know puzzles or something, but she, she doesn't really like them. Um, video games at all i don't there's know there's a fun thing about animal crossing it's like that's kind of in the vein of video games that i like to play nowadays because mm. i used to like to play like high action and competitive things but i don't really lean towards those i like to organize things that might like be why she's like decorate yeah. things. <laughs> all animal crossing is is organizing and decorating and collecting things all yes. of the things that make my neuro ner mm -hmm. divergent brain happy yeah so that makes that would make sense too just because um if you like things I'm... to be just so get a game where you can make them just so <laughs> or like i'm unpacking very or animal crossing oh i take the or back Minecraft. she liked unpacking a lot so i think I you're bet. right yeah i think so yeah uh I, where i'm very lateral and abstract and i i very much have the adventure game protagonist brain where that's just how i operate she's very logical and analytical and and uh you know very very straightforward on everything so Some she's people like to you know play video games where they can kill demons for for two hours and <laughs> scream at, and frustration while they toil over elden ring or whatever yeah, other yeah. dark souls game is out there some people uh, just like to dig a hole in minecraft and organize a bunch of chests that have lots of resources in them. <laughs> yeah me. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> and then some of us just like to you know tinker with a game we know extremely well to the point where we break it so we can see exactly how fast we can do it because <laughs> there are some games that don't have any rankings and you still have to be the best at them yeah which is what i do <laughs> with my own game if i'm honest <laughs> just your own game or other uh, games well we thought about branching out merit kind of thought about uh she thought about speed running bendy and the ink machine or something because she likes that one a lot or uh speed running monkey the monkey island games i thought about because those are also important to me um but i think right now i should probably just stick to the one because i'm kind of new to it but that's going to be part of what i'm streaming soon so oh good mm -hmm. yeah so what what in the in the time that you are gaming um, how is that helping you mentally and what situation do you say i've really got to to go play a video game just to mm. to do what well for me it's fairly often uh, you know because it's where it came from and it resets my brain kind of i think uh i don't know it just even if it's one that i know fairly well some of that is just 
relaxation, comfort, mm-hmm. or something like that. But uh, and when it's a new game, um, I, I get wrapped up in the story myself, and I I like finding the different paths, and I like feeling like you know the reward from working out the puzzles and having to think in that way. So it, it's kind of treating my brain to that stuff, and I'm sure it's a a dopamine seeking thing. Um, I struggle with the ADHD more than a lot of us, I think. Yeah, so, when you complete tasks, you get rewarded with dopamine, mm-hmm. and video games give you plenty of access to oh, being yeah. able to do that without leaving your couch, which is really comforting because, like, well, you need the chemical one way or another, and, yeah. and so you end up trying to find the the route that's uh, the least resistance, which is, you know, let's mm-hmm. play some Animal Crossing, and you know, or, or let's yeah. play a, a puzzle game, or you know, or play an adventure game and, and yeah. complete a complicated task. Well, and we do have we do have some some physical problems. So when I can't get up yeah. and do anything physically, because I am a very phys- physical person, actually, uh, when I can't get up and do something like that, or you know, go someplace because I like to travel, uh, then you know, the runner up is to sit on my couch and mm-hmm. play a game, I guess. And uh, you know, when I'm not medicated, it could be difficult to stop because I think it is yeah. definitely in the tasks to some extent. But. Well, because it is giving you something that you need. It's just mm-hmm. that there may be better ways to do that and a good kind of benchmark uh, to decide whether you've done it too much is to just track it. Just mm-hmm. track your time. How much time do you spend playing video games? And it's not mm-hmm. to say that it's bad or you're lazy for doing that. No, there's a reason. There's a reason that you're doing mm-hmm. it. Um you might want to find alternate alternative routes because they're going to be more effective because mm-hmm. let's say, for example, okay, I get dopamine by playing this video game and completing tasks. Okay. So let's instead, because I need more than dopamine. Uh, if I'm a physical person, I need adrenaline. I need it absolutely yeah. to, mm-hmm. to make myself feel stabilized. So what I can do instead if I'm not feeling like I can go to the gym right now, let's say, okay, I'm going to set a task. Mindfully say, I'm going to set a task. My task is to walk around the block once. Once I do that, I can congratulate myself for completing that task. Therefore, I will get adrenaline from the walk mm-hmm. and I will get dopamine from going on the walk and then getting back to my house exactly. and I can feel good about it. And it's okay to give yourself permission to do that. Uh, and then you can go and play video games. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel less bad about it because at least you moved today. Yeah. At least you moved. Well, and, and I think something else in my case is um, the fact that, uh, you know, when when you've got, when, you, when you're an introject and you have introject problems, um, you can get very wrapped up in, you know, the idea that you have memories from the source material. I've never been quite so bad about that, but I do have a problem with um, being the zone out kind of dissociative. I, I do like escapism. Hence the narrative thing. And so I know that actually playing games at times and, you know, knowing when to stop myself for one, but also just the uh, the fact that, you know, if I, if I pick up a game and I play it, to some extent, it's easier to separate myself from wherever I was, you know, and say, yes, this is definitely fictional. Let me separate myself from what I know as a character. And then also go back to it sometimes and... and Sometimes it's the opposite, and it's, I'm going to play back through this and figure out why I like it so much or why it's important to me, because I do have a tendency to get in, into the characters uh, in general, not just not just the one that I identify with. Um, do you feel like you have a good grasp on why that particular game is important to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not just the fact that it was important at that part in our life, um, but because it was important at the part where I showed up, you know. Um, it was an opportunity to reconnect with our creativity, which we had put off for a long time for a job that was was traumatizing. Uh, and it was one of the things that influenced us very much, which is why Merritt decided to replay it uh, before we started writing. And it did end up having us write more. Um, I've written more, I think collectively, we've written more in the last two years, or actually I, get, I would say in the last year, excuse me, than we have in our entire life combined otherwise mm. you know hundreds of thousands of words which has never happened before um part of that is also being medicated uh you know i think it was important because you know with the traumatic situation we were in um i i just i have this drive to turn our life around um especially because you know we were struggling with feeling like a failure and i think sometimes the point like one of the big things in that game is that you know, you do your best 
I always have a tendency to come out on top, but then I also have a really, really good grasp on when it's time to move on from things. And we've never really had a very good grasp on when it's time to cut our losses and say no more of something because it's not serving us. Yeah. Uh, well, I so. mean, Manny, as the character, when you start the game, he's in a dead-end job. Mm-hmm. and L- Same um, sort of thing. <laughs> he's been put put down by management and put he can't win for losing he's constantly given tasks that he will not succeed in and any good things that he goes and does are taken from him so he has to cheat to go and get a good client uh in the game but that ends up turning out very difficult for him but he Mm -hmm. that that forces him to move on from that job and then he gets in a new position and starts to he turns like a small little diner into a raving nightclub within a year (laughs) and he does this is his pattern throughout the game so i'd say that makes a lot of sense considering Mm -hmm. that that you're talking about uh, its motivation to turn your life around so of course that's what your brain thought it needed at the time it needed somebody with that kind of drive yeah and that's that's exactly what i think and i also think because um there's a lot about the character that are things that I think we needed when it came to like me being, um, you know, being as outgoing as I am and being as comfortable as I am with myself. And then also the fact that, uh, you know, we were struggling with stuff like, what do we want to do now that we're out of this job and we're kind of adrift and everything. And, uh, you know, we were struggling with things like feeling like we don't deserve to learn Spanish for some reason because we haven't had we have family we haven't spoken to in years. Um, and my immediate response was, why? Well, why not? Hmm. So what do I do? I call my tia. <laughs> and that works out for me. So, you know, and then we just end up having this grief process of we have all these years we've lost because we didn't do anything about it. You know, we just lost touch. Um, and that's that's also something is there's a lot to be dealt with there. There was a lot happening at the time dealing with grief. And there's a lot to be said because the game, I, I don't know why I feel vain talking about this in this way, but <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's a game set in Iklan, the land of the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 1920s, 30s themed, you know, it's like based on all the old noir movies, but uh, you know, it's, it's actually a Dia de Muertos game. So yeah. like it's every, every year something happens on Dia de Muertos. So um, it's, it's one of those things where I guess it just, it put me in a position where I felt more comfortable to, to pursue things that we've been, we've been hard on ourselves about for years. I don't know how else to explain, um, that we felt like we didn't, we didn't deserve to, to look into, you know, just cause we'd, we'd missed funerals and we've missed time and you know since it deals with death and everything we've felt like there's been there were some things at the time we didn't have room to confront you know missing time with people who had passed because we were working too hard and stuff like that so I'm very comfortable with death and dying and grief so I was a good person to show up and walk us through a lot of that that's that's a lot grief is (laughs) yeah it's difficult for everyone it's different for everyone um, do you think that that was your main chore? Is <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have a main chore. I kind of just took on all the chores, so <laughs> I have a tendency to do that. I get it over my head a little bit sometimes because it's all my responsibility all of a sudden. But no, I I don't know. I don't know if I had a main one. You know, finding ourselves, rediscovering ourselves, reconnecting with people, going for our dreams, trying to you know. Mm-hmm. Let stuff go, go for things that are new, quit when they're not serving us, you know, um, just turn a lot of things around that we had really hit a plateau with our healing and I just kind of pushed it over the edge like it was easy. So I guess for me, it kind of was. Well, and I think a lot of that, you can go back to grief. Um, mm-hmm, I know just thinking about my own personal experiences where, you know, you can grieve not just a loved one, but um the loss of a job or a particular uh, thing that you used to love and you don't anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's odd how it works, but you can grieve a lot of things. And yeah. um, it ultimately, it's trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and also dealing with something like, I, I have a tendency, I guess I'm, they say I'm pretty chill. <laughs> and I have a tendency to be able to handle things pretty calmly it's difficult to get under my skin which no pun intended I guess in a way but 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> say um, it's it's easy to to get at me about things, and we had been wronged very much so in this job, and it's very difficult for the rest of us when it comes to an injustice to let go of it. Uh, and of course, I had to do something about it, mm-hmm. but after a point, I had to you know, prove to us that it wasn't worth our energy anymore. So yeah, do what you can to, you know, get what you need to out of it or, you know, make it right for yourself, but you're never going to be able to change it when it comes to those other people. So stop trying, you know, do right by you instead. But Would you recommend your game as something to help people who are going through grief? Um, hmm. Maybe in a way, I guess. I, I uh, Or any other game? I think there are definitely others. I'd say if you're dealing specifically with, with loss of a person, there's other games. What Remains of Edith Finch is one of my favorites um, because it's exclusively about uh, death and loss and confronting that, not just as the person whose mortality is in question, but, but as the person who's watching it happen i have a um, recommendation for that if you've mm-hmm. ever played spirit fairer spirit fairer is another for, one for processing grief and also death mm-hmm. it's, it's a game about death it's yeah. actually a very beautiful game it is I, it's I another of my favorites and i cried a lot yeah throughout oh, yeah. the entire game so cry yeah. about both it's of wonderful those. i think i think grim fandango's is a very sad ending but it's bittersweet good and fun in some ways um but that's more i feel like there's there's more about grief for yourself and what you expected and what you thought was going to happen in the future you thought you were going to have that you aren't you know grief for for losing things and then having to let them go and hoping you go on to something better um i think there's kind of another game that's good in that vein i like night in the woods that's another very good one that's about you thought things were going to go one way and how do you how do you grieve failing and then all of the time you missed out on doing this thing that failed you know I could have been here with my friends. I could have been doing this and then feeling guilt for I had to quit this for my own sake, but that's put other people in a position where they're burdened by it and stuff like that, you know, grief over over the effect you have, like the impact you have on other people, whether that's your responsibility or not. And I think that and Grim Fandango have a lot of those things in common. Um, although Night in the Woods more explicitly so. Yeah, but, yeah. It's those storytelling games, and I need to get into mm-hmm. more of those. I, I tend to use movies and TV shows mm-hmm. to kind of help me process things that I'm not quite capable of digging into alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that kind of how you use the storytelling yeah. video games? Absolutely. I absolutely, absolutely personally too. I also, I do say, you know, I'm not without my flaws. I have a bigger problem than the rest of us with, um, you know, some internalized like toxic masculinity stuff and also just, um, being vulnerable. So I have a problem with showing my emotions a lot. Uh, it's very difficult for me to get emotional in front of other people. Um, so being able to sit alone with, with a game, especially a narrative game and get my feelings out. Um, I do that with movies too. I love movies, but you know, I, I being able to, movies yeah, yeah. Shows. being able to get my feelings out that way is, uh, very helpful, especially because I'm a hopeless romantic. And I think that's also kind of a, something about me that was important. Although I don't know if that's a side effect, it's just kind of a coincidence or if that's a purpose of me being here or not. But, uh, it, it's definitely one of those circumstances where I was trying to, um, I, I, I hustle too much. Also, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I can get too invested in that and not know when to quit or how to take care of myself. Sometimes I get too deep in trying to do the best job and come out on top and, and I don't necessarily know to take care of or look at the other people around me. And it's easier for me to remember that it's important to me to put other people um, ahead of some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, than it is to to work too hard and also um you know it it is definitely one of those things that puts me in a place where i can actually relax and kind of put everything else down and just feel that's (laughs) also thematic to the source material game because you know starting out manny in year one is uh, just out for Mm. a promotion and trying to further his career and hustle uh then the game becomes about trying to help meche get move on and get to the afterlife Mm, and and then then also to help everybody else he just becomes more compassionate to everyone around him as the game goes on Mm. and that's i i do have a i feel like an internalized tendency to be a bit selfish and i mean Casablanca is one of my favorite movies, and, and I, I 
I do resonate with the line of, uh, I'm no good at being noble. <laughs> but the point is you try. So, yeah. It just kind of, it, it hits home in a lot of different ways for things that are important to me. Because to be, to be what I need to be for the system and who I am and the parts of us, you know, because I'm not just a job. I'm a whole lot more than that. But, but in order to see all of that for what it is, you know, I, I personally have to do it through a medium. And, you know, that's not really uncommon with a lot of people in systems. Or I think even a lot of singlets. Because I think any of the stuff that applies to an alternate system, I think absolutely can and should apply to singlets. I think there are absolutely some people who would probably be better off if it was socially acceptable to just style yourself after somebody. Like, yeah. if it's helpful for you to be Bruce Wayne, go for it, man. I, I, I can't tell you any different, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, um, Mono, if that's, if, if in your mind, you know, you get a lot out of, <laughs> you know, being a character instead of being, you know, whatever has been applied to you, because you don't Yeah, it's literally personally, something that anyone can do. Yeah, you don't personally resonate with, you feel like you don't have control or autonomy. It's like, it's like you don't identify with what was labeled to you or applied to you when you were, you know, when you were born, when you were a kid. Make something new and it doesn't necessarily, like, if it's important, you know, if the most important thing in the world to you is, you know, this particular story, this particular movie, then go for it. You know, I don't see why not. <laughs> That's something that games, tabletop or video games, allow us to do in general is to just um, explore other, like, we've talked about this with tabletop games, and it allows you to explore who you are and who you could be and mm, yeah. live life in other context um mm. adventure games really allow you to do yeah. that because you're literally putting yourself in the shoes of an adventurer or a protagonist and you're uh one of my favorite kind of semi-adjacent because it's noir it's mm -hmm. la noir one yeah. of my favorite video games yep. ever yep. actually because i really love noir uh and there's a <laughs> unfathomable amount of easter eggs in that game yeah. <laughs> for people who love noir I'm just finding them everywhere, and it just makes me want to replay the game. It's jam-packed uh, it's, it's very fun. It's your typical gumshoe detective, but it still qualifies as noir, because not all gumshoe detective is actually noir. It needs to mm -hmm. have a problematic protagonist, where, and it needs to have an ending where nobody really gets what they want. It's not entirely and Even your good guys are still not great people. So it does qualify for that, even though it does center around a detective. They're basically playing off of the noir movies and uh, shows. But, I don't know, that's one of my favorites because it puts you in the shoes of somebody who is definitely not the greatest person. You actually get to play two different characters. Mm -hmm. Both of them have their problems, which my, the second character is my absolute favorite in the whole game. You get to play as Jack Kirby and, like, I, oh, I my God. He's, he's my favorite character in that whole game. And yeah. he is not a good person. No. <laughs> but I, it allows me to experience uh, what he would do when I've spent the entire game up till that point doing what the detective would do. So it's a very vibe change immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So I love games that do that to me. So it's one of my favorites, not just because of being a noir fan, but because it allowed me to experience mm -hmm. life through these two very different lenses. And then I get to see the ending of it and I won't spoil anything. I just, I love it. Yeah. Um, I love noir for that reason too, that you mentioned is that, that, you know, and that's, that's why I would, even though it's a little bit more lighthearted, I would still qualify Grim Fandango as noir and a oh, bunch yeah, of other things still... as noir as I, I do. I like, I like flawed protagonists who aren't necessarily good people, or even when you get to yeah. try out antagonists. And I the also think that, that knocks it out of the uh, genre is that it does have like a, like a, a satisfying ending to an extent yeah. but it's like it's very uncertain though it's a video game though and it's mostly yeah. geared towards younger folks it so is. let's it, not go full noir on our kids yeah <laughs> but you are left with the we don't exactly know what's going to happen and it's yeah. not necessarily going to be good and and you end up with a lot of disappointments at the same time but i also think that that's that's the thing i was going to say is I, I prefer games that kind of have a noir ending yeah. where wow, this was not nearly as fulfilling as it could have been, but I somehow prefer that. And that's one thing that I've never really been able to answer for myself is exactly why I like that sort yeah. of thing. You I know? get a lot out of noir uh, movies because I don't see a whole lot of noir video games, actually. There's, there's really there's, just not yeah, a lot. There's some, or there's some that uh, are cross-genre. Like, like because, I feel like Red Dead Redemption is one of those. But, but Because it's one video of those games things. are geared Western. around trying to provide you with dopamine, right? They're yeah, trying to yeah. give you... They're trying to reward you, and noir is... 
not rewarding. Right. Uh, it allows you to experience a completely one. different set of brain chemicals and, and whatnot. Uh, it mm-hmm. allows me to experience grief and disappointment and uh, fear and kind of a loathing sense in a safe space. And then when the story's over, I go back to my daily life. Um, recently, one of one of the things that I watched was Midnight Mass, which is a supernatural noir. And I did not expect, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was going to be when I got, got into it. And it just became that. And I was like, oh, and I had a really cathartic cry during that entire show um there's a lot of trigger warnings so if you do go into it please be careful if you if you've never watched it before there's a lot of harm to animals i always preface that with it it is a great show though um but i didn't know that nobody warned me about that going into it but (laughs) i get the same satisfaction out of a show like that as i did when i played la noir but la noir was interesting because it gave me the dopamine uh, while I was experiencing the story. So it was almost like a clash of chemicals yeah. because I'm a detective trying to solve problems. I'm completing tasks and it's carrying me through this story that has a noir ending. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I left that game not really sure what to think about it because mm-hmm. I, I was kind of having some mixed feelings and I'm only now realizing that's that's exactly why. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely, there's there's a lot of room with video games and narrative to, to tell a story completely differently, I think, because uh, not only are you asking the player to engage with your story and interact with it um, and make certain choices, it, it's also the way that you can choose to tell the story is different. There's a lot of games that are that are known for that sort of thing where, uh, you know, um, there's one that's really deceptive because it's uh, Spec Ops The Line is one we like. It's a very mm-hmm. nothing special, traditional first-person shooter thing um, about uh, war in the Middle East and Dubai specifically. And then, uh, you know, so it looks like a standard war game on top, but no, it's like a psychological noir thriller almost horror game uh because the entire time you're doing this you're progressively being asked to do more and more heinous war crimey type stuff and the game basically the the narrative very subtly begs you to quit playing that the whole point of playing the game is you really could put your down the gun at any time but you don't so when you get to the ending which is absolutely one of the most devastating bad unsatisfying endings and there are no alternatives the only alternative was turning the game off in the first place Hmm. it's a kind of a big shock the first time you go through when you start realizing how quickly it goes downhill and what you're asked to do and the fact that you do it because the game told you to except it didn't it actually repeats frequently that you could just stop you could just go home and then the question becomes a little bit more meta about like, well, okay, but, and, uh, you know, one of the big popular the ones, yeah, yeah, Undertale is also one of those done this where it's like, well, but wh- where we leave a story in our mind, is that really where it ends? What does that mean? If I save my game and I turn it off right now, does everybody stay in the same state that they were when I started playing? Because I didn't finish it. And if I finish it, then... You know, have I done something wrong because I've concluded the story and I've chosen to do so, so this is now how it ends? And then if I delete my save and I start over and I try to do it differently or I want to turn it off somewhere on principle, can I change the fact that I did it differently the first time? I love that stuff, actually. (laughs) I get a kick out of that kind of thing, you know? Um, I don't even care if it's pretentious. I just think it's fun. It's interesting. Do you start thinking about your own decision-making in your real life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, how many things are we actually, like, do we actually have to do that we think we have to do? How much stuff could I just put down and walk away from? How much stuff do I really have control over if what I really want is to make a specific choice? I might not get what I want out of it. I might not see the end of it. But at what point is it worth it to me? At what point is it actually necessary? Like, narratively, it's fiction. Does it matter? No, not really. But in circumstances where it does... Is it worth it to me to make this choice because I think I have to? Or is it worth it for me to just stop what I'm doing or or to make a different choice because I can? Is it worth it for me to create a new character because I'm tired of the one I'm playing, you know? <laughs> is it worth it for me to delete the save file and start over? At what point do I actually make the choice to stay, especially in a situation that uh, is harming me and things like that? I wonder I like it. I feel like there was a lot of, now that you mentioned it, we're talking about 
games where you make narrative choices and it has mm. a different ending. This was actually really therapeutic for me um, because I used to hate those games <laughs> because I want a certain ending to happen. And I would look it up online to make sure that I got the ending I wanted. <laughs> so it was growth for me as a person to sit there and say, you know what? It's okay if I don't get what I want. It's okay if I don't know what happens. You know. And that is something where I, because before what I was craving when I was doing that and doing the research, mm-hmm. I was craving autonomy. I wanted control yeah, over control. my destiny. I wanted to be able to make those decisions and, and get what I wanted at the end because I felt helpless in the life that I was living before because I didn't have autonomy. I didn't have control over mm-hmm. what my future or my, even my present was going to be like. So when I... When the turning point was for me when I decided that it's okay. Mm-hmm. I can make whatever decisions I want. It was actually L.A. Noir and Red Dead Redemption that mm-hmm. I was playing when I started deciding that, you know what? I want to see what happens. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up online. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go on I'm Game make my Facts. Own mistakes here. <laughs> I'm not going to go on Game Facts and just shoot for something. I'm going to just see what happens and just try to enjoy what happens as it's happening. And if I want a different ending, I can play again. Yes. Yeah, and you learn about a little bit about uncertainty and the unknown and being comfortable with with not knowing what would have yeah. happened if you'd done so something So it's actually different. really healing for me to experience that and just to let myself do that and give myself permission and it actually working out in a way and I was still satisfied uh, mm-hmm. with whatever happened even though it may not have been like 100% complete or the best ending in the list like who cares if it's the best ending mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes developers do us a disservice by making a good ending and a bad yeah, ending I've let's very... just make them different endings guys yeah, can I've we just much... have some games mm-hmm. where they're all the endings are satisfying in one way or another I prefer games that are like that, where the every ending is in its own way um, valuable somehow. I need to finish. Um, I need to finish. Uh, what's what's it called? Uh, with Big B Wolf, uh, Telltale oh, Wolf game. Among Wolf us. Among Us. I need mm-hmm. to finish Wolf Among Us because it seemed yeah. like it was going in that direction. This where very, I have good. no idea how my save file was going to end, but it was getting interesting, and I need to pick that game back up because it was actually really fun. Arguably one of the best, if not the best, Telltale game there yeah, is. Yeah, and then well, they're coming I, out with I a sequel. I say arguably only because I'm biased towards yeah. any. Monkey Island, but that's just me. (laughs) They're coming out with a sequel, so I really need to pick it up again so that I can play the sequel. I saw the preview to it, and I was like, oh my god, it looks good. Uh, I'm I'm glad they finally did, because they almost went under, but THQ Nordic has been doing the Lord's work and saving a bunch of little <laughs> little stuff, little studios yeah. and IPs and things. Well, you both but. brought up something that um, is... Uh, something that you've learned whenever you're in therapy, and maybe people know this, I didn't. Mm-hmm. When I started therapy, uh, my goal was to be perfect, to make all the mm-hmm. right decisions. Yeah, I went at therapy, right? Yeah, <laughs> I just went at therapy. Yes. And well. I quickly learned that, no, it's it's to be okay with the uncertainty, yes. to be okay with making decisions that don't work out the way you, you expect them to. And honestly, my therapist still has to remind me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to, to be in the moment. And it kind of sounds like there are yeah. certain games that really yeah. help you accept that. So I'd say maybe you could put that on a list for recommendations if you have problem with perfectionism and feeling like that you want, you <laughs> need control over your life. Maybe you should make you should play some storytelling games where it's yeah. mostly about narrative decisions and see how that goes for you and Make yeah. a note to not look up how to get certain endings. Right. Be okay with what happens and realize that if you don't like it, you can play again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't and don't go through don't go back to save files. Just play it through. Play it commit to it. Play it all the way through once and then go back. And then go back and see what you could do differently and how that affects the game. Because you might find that you discover some things when you go back and play the same game, like how you would do things differently, knowing what you know about how it would end. Right. And how would you take control of that situation now that you have a little bit more wisdom? It plays some games like Fallout or, uh, yeah. you know, Disco Elysium or Unavowed or something Fallout's like that. Or, one, or Cyberpunk 2077, and that's more your jam. Because play something like that where you frequently have choices where it's like, none of these are good choices. I don't like any of these. I don't want to yes. do any of them. Why do I have to pick one of these? Because they're not another option. Or you can and play fall out and just decide to say fuck it i'm not going to make any decisions i'm going to kill this guy and take his coat because it looks cool yeah, i hope you're not important to the plot because <laughs> i like your gun <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well I, I, you know and i i was going to say too i think uh you know you saying that about therapy 
um, especially if you've got trauma and you've have you have amnesia to any degree, uh, the idea of people have had such stupid controversy over, you know, um, basically like whether or not you can actually block your memories, and you can, but you can get them back sometimes, but it's not like you would think. And what I always got told is you have to be comfortable with not knowing. You have to just trust the fact yeah. that whatever trauma you went through was traumatic enough for you to have traumatic symptoms, it doesn't matter what it was. Because um, sometimes, like, we've got some tra traumatic memories we got back that the only thing we can remember, originally it was just, like, a cold feeling on our face, and then we realized it was grass. That's all we've got. Mm -hmm. And all we, have to, all we have to do is accept, all we can do is accept the fact that it, whatever it was, it was bad enough that we have nightmares about the grass. That's wow. it. And yeah. sometimes that's your brain all you're just latches onto things. And there's a good book that's called The Body Keeps the Score yes, that talks that about how book. trauma is stored in your body. Bessel and uh, it, it is definitely worth looking into for anybody that, that has PTSD or trauma. And actually, it's probably just a good read for people in yeah. general. And that's also another reason why... Uh, I process things very physically and I have to go to the gym and do stuff like that mm -hmm. because like there's a lot of trauma stored in my body and it, mm -hmm. I, I need to activate myself to in order to to be stable. And that, that book actually talks about epigenetics, too, and the fact that, you know, trauma and mental health stuff, it, it physically alters your body. And that yes. stuff absolutely gets passed on to your kids if you have them. So, you know, your ancestors, if you come from a family with a long line of trauma, that's absolutely why I think that there's a predisposition to dissociative disorders one way or another, because um, I know that I, I actually am fortunate enough to have enough of a relationship on the side of our family that it runs on to be able to look back and say, this particular family member fugued, and this particularly this particular family member was definitely a system, and then this one had just depersonalization problems. This one might have been a system, and you can just look back. You know, this one had electroconvulsive therapy and came out of it like a, you know in a totally different, totally different person because you know he had fugue problems, and so it, it's it's a very good read. There's a there's several different books that I could recommend, but that's a different subject. Uh, but definitely when it comes to when it comes to games, I think, yeah, yeah, especially there. There are also some games out there where it's like, wait, I need answers and you get none. Like uh, I, mm -hmm. I briefly said Pathologic earlier, which is a terrible game. It asks the question of game. Do games have to be fun? Right. Do you have to have a good time <laughs> while you're playing? Does the game have to be very polished and playable? Or is I, the point that it's not playable at all? And that's, <laughs> that's exactly what's wrong with that game. On that subject, <laughs> I have big feelings about it because... I, I, for, for me, mm -hmm. I like my games to be fun because I do them to relax because I mm -hmm. make a lot of big decisions all the time at work. Uh, I make some very permanent decisions for yes. people. Yeah. So <laughs> my brain's already having to do all that all day. So sometimes I just want to sit, sit and just organize a closet in unpacking or something and I just want to play Animal Crossing to collect bugs for the next 30 minutes you know mm -hmm. um, but does a game have to be fun I think we should replace the word fun with fulfilling yeah, uh, yeah because exactly. it does not have to be joyful to be fulfilling it does not have to be entertaining to be fulfilling uh, whatever you get out of it is fine. If you like the challenge of a genuinely difficult game that frustrates you so much that you've broken five controllers within a week trying to complete it, <laughs> but it makes you feel really good, then you're still getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to shame you for that. For yeah. It's not for me, but that's fine. You mm -hmm. can play that game. It doesn't make you a better gamer. No, it doesn't. Stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're basically ju just like congratulating yourself on a, on a mediocre task. Okay. There are plenty of like much more difficult tasks that you could be doing with your time. We're all trying to get the same thing when we play a game and that is to get fulfillment. We are trying to get dopamine. We are trying to just, just relax from, from, whatever it is that that is going on in life or just just trying to make use of our spare time and just that, you know just relax that makes me think about so something let's that, do that in different ways yeah that makes me think about something that happened once as i i had um these two regulars we we had when we were working at a particular video game store and they were um they were like older cottage core lesbians like they were in their 60s or 70s actually i'm pretty sure the they were nearing their 70s if not already there uh so 
one of them she was very butch like rode a motorcycle everywhere always had lace-up boots and and the other one would look like she was about to bust out with some fresh baked cookies any minute uh just always wearing like a floral dress and they were both adorable so we hit it off really well we were we were very good pals with them and they would come in and they would buy stuff for their nephew um and or their grand or great nephew i guess and uh well i think they at one point were asking what he says he's a, they were talking about what is making what what makes a gamer and i can't remember exactly what started that conversation and then him talking about that's not what a gamer is and i was like well, that's not right and she's like well i only really like mobile games and he said well you're not a gamer because you play candy crush and i said yes you are you're very enthusiastic about it you got a ridiculously high score you're proud of that you're a gamer and they were like well we've never played any of these games i'm like well maybe you should try and they'd never had anybody tell them that before. And they're like, well, are there any we can play together? So I gave them a whole, like, we gave them this long assortment. Do you know what they got obsessed with? Gears of War. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you have two cottagecore lesbians in their 70s playing Gears of War together and getting way too good at fps <laughs> so like, they eventually picked up a different yes. one. Like, they were playing Call of Duty Zombies or something and, and just killing people like slaughtering the scores on that you you never know who actually could benefit or enjoy those sorts of things and it's yeah it's very good for your brain i I think some of the people get disordered and they're seeking fulfillment Mm -hmm. when it starts having to do with what other people are doing that's not a healthy route so when you're trying to dictate what defines a gamer and you're trying to decide that for other people guess what that's an unhealthy coping mechanism you're seeking fulfillment outside of yourself and you probably need to stop and it's probably coming from somewhere you should consider not doing that family and please it's, it's never and it's never it's never too late to um like get into something that you you no, know, never really never thought about it or wanted to, but never tried. I, that also reminds me, I mean, speaking of older uh, folks getting in the games, I, I mean, we had, I'm still friends with her on here. Uh, we, we had a lady who, um, I don't remember how old she was, but her hair was snow white and she got obsessed with Pokemon. And like, no, I mean, like, That's a good one, like though. every time she would walk in, with. she, all of her clothes and she had like cute little custom hair bows. She had like Eevee earrings. She had all her favorites. She used to back with heart gold, soul silver. She wore the little walker on her belt everywhere she went. And she played po- Pokemon Go because she was like, well, it keeps me walking. I, you yeah. know, my dog died and I didn't have a reason to walk anymore and I quit. And then my doctor said, you know, my knees were going to go out if I didn't keep it up. So I was trying to find something to do. And then you told me about that and now that's all she does so yeah i i just want to talk about pokemon for a second <laughs> yeah for yes. not a second it's gonna be a while guys so sit tight just you know. uh, strap in uh, yeah folks. just strap in um hello i'm lee and i've played pokemon since i was nine years old yeah. i've played every game every single one including hello pikachu all of them wow they're wonderful and i love every single one um so it's a game that has literally been with me most of my life Mm -hmm. uh and it has not changed at all hardly (laughs) it is the same game every time and i am still so excited when they're they've announced the next one i'm so hype about it i could cry right now on the spot if you asked me to if you told me about sprigadita i will really start tearing up okay i want that i've (laughs) already chosen my starter they made that one specifically for you and yes they did otherwise (laughs) it would only be better if it was a water type but you know what i'm i'm just gonna pick a grass starter this time because it's adorable have you seen it oh my god um anyway so this is a game that i've just grown up with and it is the same game just about every time there have been different variations of it and there's different aspects of it featured in games like pokemon stadium just focuses around the battles but it's the same kind of game mechanics basically the same it hasn't changed much so why do we keep playing it what what is it about pokemon that keeps me coming back for and getting me so excited I do know what to expect from it. It's comforting. But sometimes those games do have surprises in it and do and and is comforting in a new way. But without deviating too much of the of the gameplay that I've come to expect, I do like that that sometimes in new games, they try new mechanics. 
the basic principle of the game is the same. Like Sword and Shield had some very new game mechanics that came out that was enjoyable and surprising. And a lot of people complained about it. I'm like, shut up. You don't like fun. Um, Cause I'm just like that about everything. I love it when game manufacturers try something new, even if it doesn't work out and it's clunky because right. at least they're trying something new guys. How do you think they come up with good gameplay? Eventually yeah. it becomes better gameplay, but it had to start somewhere. And because I'm an old person playing video games and I have played Pokemon since nine years old, I've watched the entire process. <laughs> progress of how this game franchise has changed over the years and i really enjoy that they're still trying new things and i can't wait for the next game to come out because i'm already excited about what new thing are they going to try that's also with the gameplay that i already enjoy by itself but it's not exactly the same game there's always something a little bit different i'll tell you one of the pokemon games that i found the story they changed the story in a way i didn't expect and that was sun and moon oh my god that's one of my favorite oh, Pokemon cause games. Because you're the rival in that one. You're not the well, technically not necessarily. the main character. It was just... Right? It, I really enjoyed... Okay, look. Team Skull is my favorite team oh. ever. <laughs> oh, that's ever. right. I think ever. I knew that. Team Skull like is the best be because on. they're just a bunch of rowdy, misguided <laughs> kids. And there's literally a conversation that you come across when they're talking where they, they're... They're talking about, uh, that's my shirt. No, it's my shirt. They both, it looks like my shirt. We wear the same shirt and they're just talking because they all dress the same. And that's just, it, it's a game I that is riffing remember. on itself. And also the bad guys are not who you expect them to be. And then when the, when the big bad is revealed, you're like, oh shit, this is about mommy issues. You yeah. know, and it's like, oh, it's one of those games. But it, 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 can't, it blindsided me because I usually expect Pokemon games to go a certain way so that when mm -hmm. they do throw those curveballs, it's very, it's super effective against me <laughs> because I'm already coming at it with the mentality that this is a Pokemon game because I've played them for so long. So I love it when it, when a franchise is able to do that. And that's the one franchise that really can do that because it's been around for so long. I think that people forget just how old this game franchise is, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's very old. Oh, don't say that. I remember <laughs> no, when it's it okay. came out. I... It's okay. <laughs> We're old. It's all right. I'm sitting here talking about playing Grim Fandango with the original tank controls. What am I getting? I didn't realize I was old before. No, it's fine. I'm, a, I'm at peace with being old. You know what? My 30s are amazing. That's true. It's I have probably the, the career best, that I want. I'm, best time of our I'm living a good now. life. I'm. I just. It just keeps getting better. So, and then I still play Pokemon. Yeah. Well, and I play Pokemon Go, and it's a very different style of gameplay. But goddamn it, I live right next to a gym, and I'm going to beat it. <laughs> and there's there's another person that lives in the neighborhood, and he keeps taking the gym, and I'm out there. I'm gonna get oh. you. Your name is Readout. I'm going to get you. <laughs> you called him warmed. out on the podcast. You've been warmed. I'm going to call you out on this podcast. I'm aye, looking aye. for you. I want to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're Team Valor trash. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> team but Valor trash. I say that with a healthy competition. I actually think everybody who plays Pokemon Go is wholesome and great. <laughs> you brought up a good point, though. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for games, too, about the fact that... Uh, you know, a lot of them can provide community and company when you yes. can't get out of your house, when you need mm -hmm. that, but you can't really leave or, you know, you're not you're not ready for that. Uh, and I think also with, when it comes to things like like Pokemon specifically, um, you know, there's a, an attachment. You get very attached to very. your Pokemon. <laughs> you get very attached to your characters and a lot of things. I know that Fire Emblems had that effect, you know, where you get attached to, you know, the, everyone you recruit, you know, Dragon Quest, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, RPGs are really bad about it and there are some other games, but you get attached to the companion characters or whatever. And uh, I think that that can provide some really necessary, I'm waking up for the sake of petting my Q-bone today because I don't oh. want it to be lonely again. Like, I even if that's what you live yeah. for, that's that's good, I think, actually. And, you know, and it's less of a commitment than having a regular pet that you have to worry about. And I, I think, too, um, you know, I think it's okay to live for little things. I think it's okay to live for stuff that, you know, is small but makes you happy. And even if you think it's frivolous, uh, you know, Phoenix Wright kept us alive at one point because we were laughing That's too much really and we wanted game, we wanted to know what happened next. We were like, but mm -hmm. we have one more game. We can't we can't like kill ourselves right now. When we'll never have finished <laughs> the Edgeworth game. That's unacceptable. He's the best. So you know, we ended yeah. up staying alive long enough to finish phoenix right and by that point we did have a new therapist and that helped and so it's not the only time that's happened for sure but i think that was the first time we noticed you know never winter nights another one that's a D, &D yeah. game but it was one of those mm -mm, no we haven't defeated the queen yet we gotta we gotta do it mm -hmm. 
I, I can't I can't entertain thoughts about harming myself because I can't go back to the hospital. I'm like mm-hmm. so close to beating her. We we gotta you stay. Know, I can say up and up. I can say a lot of bad things about World of Warcraft and and the period of my life that I was latching onto it. But you know what it did do for me? It did keep me out of the of the dark places while I was in college, which was a difficult time for me. And it also gave me friends that I looked forward to playing mm-hmm. with. It gave me yeah, community for definitely. a while that while I did play it. And while there was a lot of toxic things about that game mm-hmm. and the community I was in, I still enjoyed it and I still made friends. I still am friends with some of these people yeah, on Facebook. Say, yeah. I see pictures of their cats all the time and, and we share memes with each other mm-hmm. still and I just love them. They're, they're my friends. They live in Texas. I've actually gone to visit them. Yeah, we're still I wouldn't friends have done with... that. I wouldn't have known these people if I hadn't have played that game and, mm-hmm. and whatever else it did for me and to me. It doesn't matter anymore. I got something that irreplaceable out of that experience. And video the fact that video games can do that for people, I think, is really cool and really important. And, of course, there's going to be some toxic things that you have to work through. But it, you can do that and still in, uh, in, enjoy video games. It does not make that video game bad. So right. maybe I should rephrase the way that I talk about World of Warcraft. I don't think that it's bad necessarily. I think that some people misuse it. Right. Just yeah, like just we like do with anything. everything. <laughs> people need to do things mindfully. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, yes. you can find a lot of benefits for that. Yeah. Thank you, Lee and Manny. It was a pleasure. That's our show for this week. I'm going to repeat myself here and say there's no substitute for therapy, and we are not therapists. Thanks for listening.